0: Turn turn with me in your Bible to Luke chapter 2, if you will. We're going to be looking at uh, one of the stories in the Christmas story. Uh, And I think it's going to enlighten us, it's going to show us some things. Uh, We mentioned last week that uh, we're going to make a change, the first of the year, uh, because we recognize we're not as effective as we should be in reaching outsiders we're doing okay coming together as the church and meeting, but uh, being effective in reaching those on the outside, we're, we're slipping a little bit. and We think we might be able to tweak things a little bit better and make that more possible. Uh, so we are going to move the two Sunday morning services back a half hour. In other words, this 9 this, o'clock uh, service will start at 9.30, first of the year. The 10.30 service will start at 11 o'clock the first of the year. And the good news is the Saturday night people are all coming to Sunday morning. And they're going to spread out over the two services, so we're excited about the potential and the possibility. And one of, one of the things that we want to do is we want to focus ourselves to be visitor-friendly. We have got to be conscious and recognize that we're not just spectators here, we're participants. And when somebody comes in that, that hasn't been here before, uh, we've got to make them feel like they're family. You know, if somebody, if somebody comes to your house to visit, you don't, you don't treat them like they're not there. You know, you treat them like they're something special. You offer them your chair. You uh, offer them something to drink. You go a little bit overboard because somebody's come to your house. Well, in the church of Jesus Christ, we have to do the same thing. And if we don't think that way, if we don't focus that way, we're, it's just not going to happen. We're going to ignore them. And I, I know that because I hear, I, I get the phone calls. I went to church, no one person shook my hand, no one person made me feel welcome. Well, I know a lot of those people have got their own baggage and they, they're just looking for something to gripe about, but we got some responsibility in there too. So we want to kind of focus on that. So that's why, that's why we're doing that. I'm excited about the possibilities, and I realize that moving from 9 o'clock to 10.30, uh, there may be some 1030 people who want to come to nine. You know, so the, this is a time for you to change it up. This is a time for you to reevaluate, rethink, what is the service I want to attend so you can be a part of that? Because I'm excited about what's going to happen because we made a change. You know, nothing happens with me unless I change something. So same thing in the church. Okay, and then the last thing I want to say before we get into the message is: is one of the tools that Satan uses to bind us up is called discouragement, and sometimes discouragement's almost like a spirit. You know, a spirit's like an atmosphere, uh, and and it it just holds us back. Discouragement is is when you feel disheartened. It's when you just lost your motivation, and you just there's something there's just something drained out of you. And I believe that there's, I I was praying last night and I felt the Lord impress upon me that there are people in our church who have a discouragement going on in them. And they've just lost the excitement. And if you're one of, if you can acknowledge yourself as somebody, you, you just, you feel this discouragement. Would you stand? I want to pray for people who feel this discouragement maybe you had some bad news maybe you've had a failure disappointment just a discouragement yeah nothing to be ashamed of you're you're at a place right now where you're just discouraged all right i want to pray for you heavenly father i pray for these men and women boys and girls all across this room who just feel this a little bit of a heaviness uh, a dis- a disappointment a discouragement there uh, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you are going to move in their hearts, move in their lives. As, uh, as, as a, uh, our days are as uh, short as they're going to be all, all year long, uh, and we get a little bit moody because we don't get the sunshine and we don't get, to get outside and exercise, we, our, our emotions tend to get a little bit muddy. And Father, I just pray that you're going to cheer us up. God, you are good cheer. You are good cheer. You bring good cheer. Help us to to refocus on you, that we're here to serve you, we're here to, to walk with you, and that you are going to walk with us. So, Father, I pray you'd lift this cloud of discouragement and let there be an excitement rise up within us, God, an excitement that believes something good is just ahead, something good is ahead of me. We're just going to believe it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. Okay, Luke chapter 2. This is a part of the Christmas story. We don't read too often, but it's important. And uh, I want us to read through this. It's a rather lengthy portion I'm going to read, but let me read through it, and then we'll come back and pull some truths out of it that I think is going to be a help to all of us. I'm going to start reading in verse 25. Jesus was born just a week ago. And Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem, which wasn't a short journey. They went to Jerusalem to go to the temple, to the house of God, where they're going to dedicate Jesus in the house of God to the Lord. So we pick up the story in verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. Fascinating story about these two uh, prophets. Come on. There we go. These two prophets, both of them mature, both of them older, been around a long time, had a lot of experience behind them. Godly people had the Holy Spirit upon them. Speaking the words of God. Amazing story. And they were hanging out in the house of God. That's where I want to hang out. I want to be in the house of God. I want to be around godly people. I want to be around people that if I, if I get a little bit out of line, they remind me. People who, who aren't afraid to speak to me. Uh, straight up, people who love me care about me, think like I do, and have had a shared grace relationship with God. I love you. Hope you love me. Because we need each other. And they were both prophets. Understand what a prophet is? A prophet is one that hears a word from God and speaks it. That's a prophet. They were both prophets. So taking this story, I want to share some things that you and I should be expecting in the house. Of course, our house isn't the temple over in Jerusalem. Our house is New Hope. It's when the whole body comes together. This is, this is the house of God. You see, God dwells inside of each of us. We are called the temple of the Holy Spirit. But when we who have the temple who have the Holy Spirit inside of us, when we come together in a building like this, we become the church, we become the body of Christ, we become a prophetic voice. So here's the first thing I want us to learn from the story. They were waiting on God in the house. Waiting on God. Now, that's kind of countercultural for us Americans because we don't want to wait on nothing. We want it right now, right? I'm like that. I don't want to wait. Get it done. Do whatever it takes. But they were waiting because God hadn't done what they needed him to do yet. So they're waiting. Waiting. I don't like waiting. My doctor has a special room just for me (laughs) called the waiting room. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. King James says, those who wait on the Lord, translates it that way. If I'm waiting on the Lord, I'm in expectation. I'm expecting God to show up. I'm expecting God to step in here. I'm expecting God to do something. Not quite sure what it's going to look like, and I'm not quite sure when it's going to happen, but I am expecting, I am waiting on God to step into my life. God is the master chef. He puts these ingredients together, mixes them all up, adds a dash of this and a pinch of that, puts it all together in this, in this casserole dish, and puts it in the oven. And you and I walk past, and we smell that. Oh, that smells good. Can I have some of that? It's not done cooking. You got to wait. It's not going to taste very good yet you want to wait till it gets done cooking. God's the master chef maybe he hasn't put a pinch of this yet in yet or a dash of that yet he's getting up to it he's in the process of it but we have to wait till he's done. if you want to eat right now go to a fast food restaurant if you want to go and Wait for your food. Go to one of those fine dining establishments because the chef's got to take time to prepare the food. Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Got to wait for him. God's not finished with me yet. Don't judge me yet. Hang on. He's working. He's he's trying to get it done. And I can't judge you yet because God's not done working on you. It's a process, and we have to wait on the Lord. I wish God would just answer his promises now. I I want it now, but I have to wait because for God to do what I'm asking him to do for me, also involves a whole lot of other people and a whole lot of other circumstances. And God, like the master chef, he's got to work each of these parts together so that it comes out tasting really good. Maturity teaches us to wait. And perhaps a better way than say maturity would be experience. You know, when I've seen God, after a long period of time, finally come through and answer my prayers, and finally when I see it all come together, it's, it's like, this is so good to see God bring all these parts together. This is so cool. But I've learned in the process that I have to wait. And because I have learned by my experience, it makes waiting all the more Uh, palatable in the future. I learned to just keep waiting on God because God's going to do a new thing, another new thing. So in the middle of our waiting, when we don't understand what's happening, it's good just to get quiet and get alone and say, God, what are you saying? What are you saying to me? What's your spirit saying to your church? And just ask him. Before we come into this place we ought to ask God what he's saying to us. And if he tells me something that his spirit's saying, and he tells somebody else in this section what his spirit's saying, and he tells somebody else over there what his spirit's saying, and we come together, we're, we're like bringing all the ingredients to put together in the casserole dish. And we can't help but grow and be encouraged. You know, when uh, when I go out to eat at a restaurant, they always have this staff person there called a waiter or a waitress. And you know what their job is, don't you? Their job is to make sure that you have coffee in your cup, you have water in your glass. Can I get you anything else? They're there to serve us. A waiter... Or a waitress serves. Their job is to make sure that I, I had a good dining experience. That I had everything I needed. I had enough salt. Had enough ketchup. Yes, I put ketchup on my stuff. <laughs> had enough uh, tartar sauce, whatever, whatever it is. They make sure I have plenty. That's their job. What would happen if the church of Jesus Christ had a bunch of waiters and waitresses and we saw it as our responsibility to wait on one another? Is there anything I can get for you? Is there anything I can pray for for you about? If we became the waiters and waitresses in the Lord's house, man, things would happen. Waiting in the Lord's house. Here, here's the, the second thing I want us to learn from this story. They were moved by the Spirit in the house. I, I want to be moved by the Spirit in the house. Now, I'm a, I'm a teacher. I'm organized. When, when I come, I, I got a nice neat outline of what I'm going to say. I got my thoughts together. I know where I'm going. But I want the Lord to lead me. I expect the Lord to lead me while I'm at home at my desk putting together this message. But I also expect the Lord to lead me when I'm in here. And there's sometimes God will put something on my heart and prompt me. I love those occasions. But it's the same Spirit living inside of every one of us. Why wouldn't He be speaking to each of us and prompting us? Romans 8.14 says this, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. I think we could reverse that. Those who are the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. And if if you have made a decision for Jesus Christ, and if you've asked His Spirit to come into you And ask Him to forgive your sin. You have the Spirit of God inside of you. And you should be led by His Spirit. Unless we don't recognize it. Or we don't expect it. Then we're led by ourselves. And by our feelings. By our emotions. I want to be led by His Spirit. And I think you want to be led by His Spirit. So we need to kind of uh, get tuned to the right channel. I'm usually listening to this channel, but I need to get tuned to the right channel and hear what the Spirit's saying. And if I ask him, Lord, what is your Spirit saying? Why wouldn't he show me what his Spirit's saying? It just makes sense to me. If I'm asking him, why would he not respond to that? And it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit that awakens us to that leading, that gives us an expectation of of God leading us and directing us and opening up these doors. We expect that and we see those kind of things. Here's another scripture I want us to see about being moved by spirits in Galatians 5.16. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the spirit. What do you think walk means? Get up and move. You can't walk sitting down. You got you to gotta make some progress. You got to decide which way you're going to go. And you got to start moving. God's leading you as you move. We're walking by the Spirit. We're not racing by the Spirit. Because God's not in a hurry. So I have to walk. Walk means I'm making progress. I'm moving in a Certain direction, that's walking, not running. And it's not a moonwalk. You know, that's going backwards. We've got to move forward. We've got to know where we're going. Okay, number three. Here's the third thing I saw from this. They were meeting Jesus in the house. Did you catch that? It said they met they met in the house. They met Jesus. It doesn't say they met Jesus. They met the father and the mother. Jesus was with them, so they met. I want to meet Jesus in the house. Every time I come to God's house, I, I want to meet Jesus. But I have to discipline myself. I have to focus on those words we're singing, or I just get in this... Uh, you know, dumbed-down attitude. Like, oh, I, I know those words. I just sing the same song. I have to focus on what I'm saying, and then it becomes worship. And that touches my emotions. That touches my heart. That releases something in me. I have to, I have to get myself moving. I've got to do something, or I, I'm, just, I'm like anybody else. I just fall asleep while I'm singing. I don't want to do that. I want to stay alive. I want to stay awake. That's worship. And that's when God touches my life. That's when God speaks to me. That's when God does a cool thing. Meeting Jesus in the house. Every time I come is my goal. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Jesus says this to us. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. This is Revelation, book of Revelation. This is the Revelation of who Jesus Christ is. He says, Behold, I stand at the door. I'm knocking. He's knocking at the door of my life. He's knocking at the door of your life. I don't think this is just talking about... One-time event. I think this is talking about the way he works. If we, we've got to hear his voice, we've got to open the door. Barriers build in our life because of the experiences we have, the, the pain we've had, the, 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 the disappointments we have. And they become like calluses. And it becomes a barrier. And Jesus is over there, and I'm here, and I'm really afraid to ask him for something because I've been hurt before. But what I've got to do is I've got to open the door. I've got to deal with those those calluses, I've got to deal with those, that crusting that's there from my pain, from my past. I've got to get it out of the way. And that's what the deliverance ministry that our church is trying to do right now, to help people get free of those things that have built up calluses in our life, made us insensitive to the Spirit of God. But if we'll open that door, Jesus will come in and he'll clean out all that crud. Yes. He'll polish it up because worship is an encounter with God. Here, here's the fourth thing. I got six of these, the, the fourth thing. There were prophetic voices in the house. Yes. And it was these old, these old folks, these old experienced folks that've been around a while. They were the ones who weren't afraid to be the prophetic voice. They spoke it out. (laughs) Only the old folks love it. (laughs) Amos chapter 3, verse 7. Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. God doesn't do anything without revealing what he wants done to the prophets. So... Where could we find a prophet? wonder where in today's world we could find prophets. I think they're here. What is a prophet? A prophet is one who hears the words of God and relays it to someone else. So if the Spirit of God is inside of me, and the Spirit of God is inside of you, we have the mind of Christ, and He tells us what He wants to happen, and we make, it, we make this too much of a formal thing. The other week, someone introduced me to a guest that they had brought to church, and, and I began chatting with that person, and, you know, I just asked... Small talk questions, you know, do you have a home church you attend? Just a simple conversation. And we were just a few words away from her having tears in her eyes. And she began opening up what God was, what feelings of hurt that she had and how she believed in God, but she hadn't been in church, and hadn't pursued it. And I just talked straight to her. I said, you know, you need to connect with God. God's there, whether you recognize it or not. And he really wants to do something in your life. She just began tearing up What was I saying? Did I hear God say some some booming uh, voice With a lot of reverb come out of heaven uh, Talking to me, telling me what to say to her? No, see I have the Spirit of God inside of me And because I care for her just like God cares for her All I have to do is speak to her And it's God's words coming out of me Gave life to her, gave hope to her That should be able to happen with every one of us. We ought to be able to do this down at the workplace. Where they forbid you to preach the gospel, you can go down there and just speak words of life, words of hope, words of encouragement. I am a prophetic voice, and you are a prophetic voice, unless we refuse to accept that. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3 says, But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. We can all do this unless we're down in the dumps. We've got to get above the circumstances instead of under the circumstances. You can do this because the Spirit of God is in you. He has quickened your mind. You think like a servant of God, speak like a servant of God. Instead of thinking things good for other people, speak those things good for other people. And if the whole church would get activated with understanding that, and we realize my job isn't to come into the church and receive, my job is to come into the church and give. I come here to use my spiritual gifts. I come here to, to, to benefit someone else. And if we would all have this idea that we're going to benefit someone else, we would come to be givers, it would be amazing how much we receive. Okay. Here's number five. There was commitment to the house. Anna and Simeon, you go back and reread that. They were committed to the house. They were there from the morning to the evening. This is where they wanted to be. They wanted to be in the house. They didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know Joseph and Mary and the baby were going to be coming in there. They were just there, always there, always speaking encouragement, always being a prophetic voice. They were committed. And I'm reminded in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. If you've been given a trust, you must, must be faithful with it. And let me tell you what you've been given. You've been given the spirit, the essence, the nature of God. He is your father because he has passed his DNA to you. And we need to take this DNA and do something with it. Take this nature of God and do something with it and speak into someone's life. It is required that we be found faithful. All right, number six. They were speaking to many in the house. They didn't go in, find a seat, stay quiet till the final amen, then walk out the door. They spoke to people, they interacted with people. My. Uh, my wife and I, a week ago, went down to Nashville, Tennessee, where we spent Thanksgiving with our uh, daughter and grandkids, and we wanted to take them out to a movie. I asked my grandson, I said, I saw the previews of this, of this uh, yeah, war movie, <laughs> PG-13, and I thought it would be good to take my grandson to see that and talk to him about responsibility, Why did those guys go out and risk their lives? It was because they felt responsibility. And I I showed him the preview, and I said, Would you like to go see that with me? And he said, No. (laughs) And I said, Why not? And he says, Just a bunch of people killing each other. And I pointed my finger at the TV screen he had, and I said, What do you think you're doing with that video game? (laughs) But... I heard him, we went out to see Frozen 2. (laughs) And he loved it. And this was a different theater in Nashville. Uh, It was about the same size as one of those theaters at NCG, but they had recliner chairs. You know, the feet go up and the back goes back. So you can't get nearly as many seats in that thing. And when we got, it it was kind of high tech. When you bought your tickets, you got reserved seating. So when you paid for your ticket, you knew what seat you had to sit in. And so we had this computer screen with all the seats that were available, and the thing was full. You know, a couple, for us to get five of us in there, we had to get either in the top row or the bottom row. So we chose to go to the front row. Good thing, because with that, you need lots of leg room, you know. And uh, watched the show. Got a little bit of a nap in it. <laughs> And then the credits start rolling. The credits are rolling. My, my grandkids, they all want to watch all the credits, you know, just in case there's a little something else at the end of that. So they're, they're watching, and the credits are rolling, and, and I sat there and watched and watched and watched, and my name wasn't up there. And I got to thinking about that. Why isn't my name up there? I mean, I came, I paid, I paid, I came in, I sat in the seat, I ate my popcorn. Why isn't my name on that screen? You know why it wasn't there, don't you? Because I was a spectator, not a participant. Spectator, or participants, get their name on the credits. Even if all you did was bring sandwich to the actor's. Your name gets on the credits. That's why they got hundreds of names up there. Everybody that has anything to do with it. But I had nothing to do with it. I was not a participant. I'm a spectator. And I thought about that. Does that relate to the church? We all come. We all sit in our seat. We watch the show. But we're spectators and not participants. And I want us to be more than spectators. I want us to be interactive. I want us to be participants. I want to I want us to be investing in someone else's life. It's what I give outside of myself that comes back to me. That's the law of reciprocity. I need to find something to do. I need to find some way to use these gifts and talents God's given me and invest them in someone else. I want to be a participant not just someone watching the show. So I want to challenge you to be a participant, not just someone that watches the show. Find someone. I'm not talking so much about this week, although you can fly it if you want, but next week, find someone you don't know and strike up a conversation with them, learn something about them, so that you have something to pray for, or so you have something to speak into. If you ask somebody a simple question like, where do you work? Tell me about your children. It doesn't take very long before some problem comes out that they need some help with. You don't have to be, you don't have to be a spiritual detective. All you have to do is converse. And the truth comes out. And as the truth comes out, you now know what your purpose is. You now know what to do. See, did I say everything I wanted to say? Yep, I did. Let's stand together. You see, we don't just come to the show. you are the show, and i don't I don't mean show as a as a fake, you know I mean. We are the the action. We are the action. So ask God to show you what he wants you to do because we cannot be the church of Jesus Christ today not accomplishing anything. The church will dry up and die. We will lose our zeal and excitement. People will get bored and walk away and new people won't even think about visiting. And we will have lost that great commission to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And I don't want to to lose that on my watch. I I need to stir myself. I want to stir you. I want us to be everything God has called us to be because time is short. Time is short. We're going to have some prayer partners up here to the front, and uh, I want to encourage you, if you have something you're going through right now and you'd like somebody to agree with you in prayer, this is the place to bring it because these people will pray with you and keep their mouth shut. Your issue is your issue. They just want to intercede between you and God. Amen? Amen. I'm going to be down here at the after party. Sure, we'd like to connect with some of you folks. Heavenly Father, bless us as we leave this room. Help us, God, to always remember you live in us and you depart with us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.